Hey, it's Chell. And Josh. And welcome, welcome to, to the Unstuck, Unstuck Institute. Institute. Stuck in a day job you hate? Not sure how to start and grow your own business? The Unstuck Institute podcast is all about helping you take your next step on the road to working for yourself. Stuckers, Chell and Josh here, coming at you with another amazing interview. This week we spoke to Sophia Sunwoo, and she is the epitome of like female boss lady, which is awesome. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She knocked my socks off with this interview. It's fun to like have somebody uh, we get to interview who is more than a few steps in front of us, you know, so we're learning too. I hope you'll hear the excitement in our voices. We're just like, wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are definitely a lot of awesomes. Oh my gosh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's great. And you're going to learn uh, uh, the power of responding to spammy emails. <laughs> just giving you guys a little nugget of what to expect. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, don't respond to foreign princes. Well, maybe you should listen to this interview first. <laughs> <laughs> that and I think, so she works with women and the, I think it's really important that women lift each other up, right? So not just like hippie dippy female empowerment, but like actually find a way to lift each other up. And she does that, which is awesome. Being yeah. Being a woman owned business. I feel that way. So. I feel that way too as a man-owned business, but you know, (laughs) she specializes uh, in helping women entrepreneurs succeed. So that's awesome. And without further ado, guys, let's jump into this interview with Sophia Sunwoo. Play it! Hey, hey, Unstuckers, Chell and Josh here as always. Today, we have a very special guest. Sophia Sunwoo accidentally built a clothing empire out of her dorm room and then sold it three years later. I feel like we need to hear the story on that. At 24, she co-founded a clean water nonprofit that fixes broken water projects in both Cameroon and India. And then at that point, she realized that her purpose was in startups rather than the day-to-day operations. So that leads her to her current venture. And in 2016, she founded Ascent Strategy with the mission to help women-led startups articulate a clear vision and get great companies off the ground. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my fellow New Yorker and fellow mountain lover, Sophia Sunwoo. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. So how about we start with founding a, a fashion empire accidentally? Yeah, define, define <laughs> accidentally. I like this. <laughs> I like how that's summarized there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So uh, my college bestie and I, we were two like punk rock kids that were pretty bored in our dorm rooms. And um we would go to all these shows and all of the band t-shirts would be fit for men, but they didn't look good on women. So, you know, being as bored as we were, we decided to create clothing that we actually wanted to wear. And, um, at some point we decided to sell at concerts, warp tour, places like that. And we kind of did it on a whim and just for fun. But I guess we just really hit a nerve and our first year, like it just flew off. 
our shelves. We like sold out of our hoodies completely. And um, we ended up getting a lot of attention. Like people try to buy us out in the first year, like all of these like celebrity rock stars. So it was kind of like very shocking for us. Uh, so I think we were just kind of right place, right time, right moment. And um, we ended up in 250 retailers, Hot Topic and Zoomies. Miley Cyrus ended up wearing one of our hoodies in People magazine. The thing just completely wow. blew up. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it was really, really fun and really shocking and uh, learned a ton. But after doing that for a couple of years, like my co-founder both realized we kind of want to do different things. This is super fun, but I think the creativity aspect was really fun for us. We didn't realize where we would have to go into manufacturing as a full-time job, which we really didn't want to do. So yeah, we ended up letting go of the company and selling it. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of how that story <laughs> that's started. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes you just catch, catch lightning in a bottle that way when you just, I'm just doing this thing and boom, takes off and it must great. have been super surreal too, all of it. It was completely surreal. Just like, wow, someone cares about this doodle I had in my head. It's very, very surreal and it was very humbling. Uh, so yeah, it was a really, really fun experience and just like a great kickoff yeah, for the rest of the time. So you realized awesome. that you didn't like manufacturing with that, kind of took a different route with a nonprofit, realized you didn't really like the day-to-day with that, which led you to what you're doing now. If you want to explain a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, with my second business, like I went in that direction cause I was, I went to like a lecture and this professor started talking about how we can use design and business to solve climate change. And that concept really blew my mind. I just like had no idea that regular people had the power to kind of solve these gigantic issues. So, yeah, like my uh, second business, my co-founder and I started a clean water nonprofit out of Cameroon in India. Ooh, it was such a it was such a trip. Like I think I have a lot of respect for nonprofit people because it's really really difficult work, and I personally couldn't really handle it. Um, it's like very emotionally toiling, mentally toiling, a lot of politics. It was a lot to juggle. Um, but the work was amazing. It was definitely a dream job, you know, being able to kind of sink yourself into the life of people who live in rural communities in like the middle of the rainforest is really a different lifestyle and project managing and building a startup within that space is very, very different. So I learned so much and I really grew as an entrepreneur through that experience. So that was super incredible. Um, how do you even start that like as a that's that's such a a huge endeavor and in a different country totally different part of the world like yeah how do you how do you go from like I'm going to start this thing to actually being there doing the work yeah that's a good question and it's kind of a funny story so uh my co-founder Josh he had been working in water since he was 15 he like worked in Kenya and Southeast Asia and we were having a lot of trouble finding a location to partner with for our first project and this random person who is a prince in a village in a Cameroonian like small town emailed us out of nowhere and I don't know what our parents <laughs> I don't know what our parents were thinking but they were 
like we we basically tell them like look we got this email from this Cameroonian prince and we're going to fly to Cameroon to meet him and like <laughs> that, that sounds like a scam. <laughs> I, know. I know, I know, and which is why it's completely insane that we did this. But he had like all these details about his water project and had all these um, drops and concepts. So. We flew out and met him, and thankfully he was a real person that had real intentions to bring water to his community, so it ended up working out well. But looking back, like, that was our story. It's it's very, very sketchy, but (laughs) I'm glad that we did it. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that that was able to to spawn other sites and and growth? Yeah, so, like... A lot of these communities in Cameroon, they're very connected to each other, like the chiefs know each other. So there was like a lot of very easy networking. So it was super easy to kind of drop yourself into the country and meet the people you need to meet, the politicians and the NGOs that you wanted to connect with. So it actually was pretty easy, especially because I feel like Cameroon is one of those sub-Saharan countries that you never hear of and they don't get a lot of nonprofit support from U.S. countries, so it was it was pretty easy um, in retrospect. That's awesome. It's a really big, cool thing you did. <laughs> and are you no are you no longer part of that organization? So our intention with that organization was um, I was in it for like six or seven years. Our intention was to build the organization because we never wanted to build an organization that was a bunch of U.S. citizens telling people in Cameroon what to do. So we actually built the organization um, so that our Cameroon team was eventually going to take over. We had like six team members, but they're actually currently in a civil war. So it's kind of on pause now until hopefully that gets sorted out in future. But it's hard to say. You never know how long these things last. Nothing makes me feel like a dumb American, like hearing someone's in a civil war that I have not (laughs) heard about. Right, (laughs) right. Like, oh, great, cool. I need need to see more world news, apparently. (laughs) All right. So that venture led you to where you're at now. So is this your sweet spot, would you say? Yeah, it's definitely been a sweet spot for me because I think after going through all those experiences, I realized wow, I wasted a lot of time sorting through terrible information to build my business. And it was really hard for me to find solid information, especially like when it comes to taking an idea and making money off of it. It's really hard to find valid, thoughtful information that's kind of beyond what you can figure out with your intuition. So Uh, I was really lucky that my first two businesses, I was in New York and New York obviously has a lot of resources, but elsewhere it's really, really difficult and challenging when you don't have that in-person network. So uh, with the sense strategy, I wanted to create a space where female entrepreneurs, because I do think that female entrepreneurs are still pretty disadvantaged when it comes to building new businesses, like not only from like a funding perspective, but also from the perspective of like, there's a huge boys club when it comes to startup culture. And I really want to create a space where women can have access to that information and really feel like they're able to speak to someone that understands their challenges. So yeah, it's really been my sweet spot that I'm able to bring just, you know, 12 plus years of startup experience and really work with entrepreneurs that are in the space of side hustling and they want to figure out how do I make this idea and this like dream job of mine into a full-time thing so that I can live the life that I want and have 
the freedom to intentionally choose how I spend my time. Like that's a huge kind of thing for me that I'm really passionate about. So yeah, that's kind of how I arrived on that. And um, it's definitely been kind of a nice culmination, like a tying a nice pretty bow on everything that I've kind of experienced the past couple of years. Definitely. So today we want to hone in on one piece of what transition and what transitions a solopreneur from kind of being a side hustler to making enough money to making enough money. So money mindset, how integral is that in getting from, I don't know, like $500 a week to being able to pay yourself exponentially more than that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that money mindset, it has a lot of different definitions for people, but I think that the first place you need to start with that is just really understanding where you stand with money mindset. For example, like I grew up poor, so like my money mindset was really screwed up for a long time where I really undervalued my worth when it came to pricing things and that bled into how I priced products for my business. Uh, so I think that's like a really important starting point. And I think that example is a really great example of like how much of your money mindset can ruin your business literally by doing it through the numbers. Uh, I also think that it also bleeds into operations and productivity where, for example, if you really hold strongly onto a scarcity mindset where, uh, you are constantly doing like the low bank account hustle every month where, uh, you make enough money to just cover the bills and then you do go through the cycle again for the next month to cover the bills again. And it's just this constant chase every month to month of trying to get enough money through the door. So like that kind of mindset is something you can stay locked in if you don't do the work to understand, okay, how do I step up here? Like how do I adopt an abundance mindset so that um, I can be thinking about how to make enough money like for a whole three months in advance and I can just chill out and not like be constantly hustling every single month. And, you know, that plays into how you're even planning out your operations and productivity. Like, are you thinking about systems and automation and really leveraging those to benefit your business and get your business into that abundance uh, ecosystem of like, I have a lot of things now automated in advance. It's ready to go. I have money that I can predict is going to come in two to three months from now because I've thought about and have desired abundance from um, the concept of like bringing in revenue and bringing in a lot of it all at once so that I could chill out for the rest of Q3. So um, things like that, I feel like it just really bleeds into your business and why I'm like so passionate about money mindset and why you really need to kind of pony up and do the work if you haven't done it yet and you're an entrepreneur. What would you say kind of helped you um, the most in switching your mindset from growing up poor, like growing up poor to uh to running a business and being able to charge what you're worth. Yeah. I kind of have like a very like non-sexy answer for this. That's like a little, (laughs) a little and like jealous ridden. But I think honestly, it was seeing a lot of people around me, particularly men where I was like, I'm smarter than that dude. And he makes three times more than I do. That's not fair. So it was more this like jealous and envy of like, I can do what he's doing. Um, so it was actually a lot of that. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's that's good fuel, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you take that and ride it, for sure. Totally. I, I honestly, I started my business uh, in Albuquerque knowing a few business owners and seeing how they run their business. And honestly, um, I just looked around and went, these guys are idiots. If they can run a business, I could totally run a business. Totally. totally. <laughs> so I, I completely understand that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And you need that. I think it's also like really nice because then you kind of have that reflection of, whoa, I've been playing it small. Like, what am I doing? And it just like really revs your engine to kick it up. Yeah, totally. So charging your worth, that's something I personally have challenged or I've had challenges with in like the past, I would say six to eight months. Um, I've changed my mindset within like the last month and a half-ish, almost two or so um, to do that. But I, I know it's it's more of a mindset thing than it is a just doing it thing. But do you recommend like for your clients, like practicing saying an amount out loud if they're selling a product or a service at a certain rate or um, just kind of going into a meeting where maybe they're doing some consulting and then they go in with an hourly rate that they want. Is there anything that you recommend to have the confidence to be able to ask for that and not, not shy away asking for less? Yeah, I think that, you know, with any problem, you kind of have to tackle it from the foundation. So like for me, the foundational concept that is like keeping someone small when it comes to pricing is just a lack of understanding of, look, like if you created this product or service and you put a ton of love into it because you really believe that it's going to impact someone for the better, it's going to solve this like really intense pain point for them, um, then that is needs to be front of mind when you're pricing that you're actually sharing something that's going to transform someone's life from a pain point perspective. And another thing I like to remind people about is you, when you undercharge for whatever product or service, you're actually not respecting the process for your buyer. So like your buyer, like when they're really into whatever it is that you're selling, uh, they put a lot of energy into like looking at your price and be like, okay, it's 500 bucks. It's like, that's like a good chunk of change, but I really love this product. So I'm going to like save up money. I'm going to like do all the things so that I can buy this thing. And then once they have those 500 bucks, it's just like a super positive experience for them. They feel super happy that they have the opportunity to buy this thing that they really, really love. So if you undercharge and like do all the willy nilly stuff of like, giving stuff away for free or like doing a huge discount, you kind of rob people of that magical experience of saving up the money, like, and really like investing in something that they really love and want to buy. So like, I try to remind people, like, it's not always about you either when it comes to price. And you have to remember that your, your shopper, if they're into what you're doing, they want to pay you like whatever value your product or service has, like do not rob them of that joy, like let them have that too. Um, so that's kind of like the foundation. Like I want people to be like minding of themselves, reminding themselves constantly. And also like once that foundation is pretty solid, then you can start thinking about like the nitty gritty of like the specific pricing you want to walk into a room with and things like that. And I think even with that, that's a muscle. Like I really love having 
people having coaches or like mastermind groups where people are kind of your community is helping reinforce and giving you feedback on like, no, that pricing is too low and just helping you develop that muscle and get a bit more stronger because, you know, getting to a place where you can make those decisions for yourself, is take, it takes time. It takes a lot of practice. So kind of being like giving yourself a lot of grace when it comes to that too, I think is important. I think that was beautifully said. Guys, the Unstuck <laughs> listeners, do that and you guys will succeed. I know for a fact. So I think that was brilliant advice. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad. Three questions. Number one, what is your bucket list travel destination? So I've traveled a lot. So I think I've crossed off a lot of my bucket list places, but a place I keep returning to is uh, Italy. So that's someplace I've been like five times now. So I will probably continue going nice. back. I still haven't even gone to Northern Italy. So I will con- that will be a forever <laughs> bucket list place, even though I've gone so many times. Awesome. Italy is amazing. What do you love about Italy? I just love how I just love back. how romantic it is. I think like there's like a slowness to it and just like a fervor and desire for like people to stay within the romance of like the art and the culture and even down to like the cobblestone streets in some places. I think uh there it captures a lot of how I wish just like everyday life would be like in the US, but it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a huge thing for me. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing there. All right. Number two, if you could choose, what would you have as your last meal? So I recently uh went vegan and I've been pretty shocked by how tasty a lot of the meals are. So there's this like really amazing like portobello mushroom garlic aioli uh, burger that I'm really into with like grilled onions. So that would probably be my last meal. Awesome. I'm not even vegan and that sounds yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what is your favorite hobby that doesn't include making money? Yeah. So I actually write short stories and poems and I share them on my personal Instagram. So cool. yeah, it's something I do like every single day and I absolutely love it. And it's just like a great artistic outlet for me. So, yep. That's fun. Where can people find those or should they find them? <laughs> yeah, they can, they can find them. Um, it's uh, my Instagram for those is Sophia SW. So S O P H I A S W. Cool. Awesome. All right. And that is a wrap. Uh, Sophia, where can people find you and learn more about you and, and your ascent strategy company of of right now? (laughs) Totally. Uh, so my website is ascent-strategy.com and you can find like a lot of free stuff there, a lot of blogs. I just share a ton of free information. So definitely feel free to check that out. I'm also really active on um, Instagram. My um, business Instagram is Ascent with Sophia. And there's like a ton of, uh, I do a ton of Instagram stories, videos, posts that have, that talk about everything from money mindset to like building business to sales and marketing. So you can check out all that stuff there. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Sophia. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your worldly wisdom. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. It's time for a recap. One, lean into your abundance mindset. 
Two, don't let circumstance or gender hold you back. Three, say yes to fun opportunities because you never know when you might accidentally create a clothing empire. Four, not all emails from foreign princes are spam. The Unstuck Institute podcast is brought to you by Chell's Gather Round La Cucina online course. Lacking time and skill to cook healthy meals at home? I get it. Healthy meals can be boring, flavorless, and time-consuming to make. Choosing fast food can be a quick option, but often it can leave you feeling unwell or unable to feel your best. You and your family deserve to feel good, and you don't have to sacrifice taste or time to feel good. With the Gather Around the Cucina course, I help busy families learn to create a healthy, sustainable lifestyle for the whole family without sacrificing time. Log on to wellnesscucinallc.com now and schedule a complimentary call to see if this course can be a good fit for you and your family. We'll be back next week. Website and show notes are at unstuck.institute. Remember to follow us on Instagram at unstuck.institute. If you love our podcast, would you do us a huge favor? We'd love it if you left a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show a lot. For instructions on how to leave a review, go to our website, unstuck.institute. Talk to you next week when we'll be talking to you from the Unstuck Library about the book Launch by Jeff Walker. With any problem, you kind of have to tackle it from the foundation. Sophia Sunwoo. You know what would go really well with my bread and grapes? Some chis. Some chis.